Welcome to the podcast of Fellowship Church in Dallas, Pennsylvania. To find out more about Fellowship Church, visit fellowshipefc.org. All right, well, hello. Welcome to the Fellowship Church podcast. In today's episode, we're taking a faith perspective on religious liberties and freedoms in the United States. And so I'm joined this morning by uh, Lee Pyatt and uh, Steve McFarland. Lee is one of the elders here at Fellowship Church. Uh, he's a partner in business and finance at Rosen, Jenkins, and Greenwald. He has over 40 years experience helping uh, religious organizations and churches to create and amend bylaws uh, and to work through the, some of the legal uh, things that come up with churches. And he's been active in task forces uh, in Pennsylvania, writing corporate laws, providing standards uh, for legal opinions. And he has a degree from uh, William & Mary, which he graduated highest honors, and a law degree from the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, again, also joining us this morning is Steve McFarland. Uh, he has practiced employment, commercial, and religious liberty litigation in Seattle. He has directed the Religious Liberty and Pro-Life Advocacy of Christian Legal Society uh, from 1991 to 99, and then again currently. He was the first executive director of the United States Commission on International Religious Freedom, a federal agency. He worked on prison reform at Prison Fellowship International and in the office of the Deputy Attorney General. Uh, he's worked with the uh, Department of Justice, and he has served World Vision as the chief legal officer. And so both of these men are joined uh, here today with me. They're members of the Christian Legal Society. Christian Legal Society is a fellowship of Christians dedicated to serving Jesus Christ through the practice and study of law, uh, the defense of religious freedom in life, and provision of legal aid to the needy. So uh, do you guys want to just share a little bit more about what Christian Legal Society does and, and why it's important to you? Yeah, Tim, thank you very much. It's a privilege to uh, to, to be with you and um yeah, Christian Legal Society. I, with the, when I walked into the first day of law school, I uh, <clears throat> and that was forty-three years ago. Uh, I uh, ran into a table uh, with the Christian Legal Society, and that and Lord used that to really change the whole trajectory of of my professional career. In the sense that um, it has been CLS is a fellowship of Christian attorneys and judges and law students that are trying to do justice with the love of God, uh, trying to fulfill uh, Micah 6.8. And, uh, you know, I I really, uh, what got my um, passion in law school was to, to defend the right of the church to be the church. And and that's what I, why I just love this work is because I, I can just hopefully be a, a small part of freeing up folks like the Fellowship Church to know what freedoms God has still preserved for the church to be the, the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. So that that really butters my bread, so to speak. <laughs> we appreciate it, Steve. All right. Uh, so um, my um, my take is 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 very similar, uh, although I've my career has obviously gone in a in a different direction. <clears throat> but when when one goes into the law, um, um, it, um, it 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 is a sort of a consuming uh, other other practice, and if you if you're then going to be living out your faith, and uh, if you want to be active 
in the church as 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 uh, as has been my uh, joy and passion um that uh, having fellowship and support in that is, is is vital and so that's that's really where i come to it from from the standpoint of the christian legal society that and also um uh the fact that one of the reasons i became a lawyer although it's not it's not uh uh what i do is in fact that uh, in my senior year in high school, the Supreme Court passed uh, uh, issued a decision that I actually read as a senior in high school, called Roe versus Wade, and and uh, and that really um, sort of it, it just it, it frankly boggled my mind that the that the, the, the court by a, a decision like that would be making. Um, uh, would be making that kind of sweeping decision contrary to the the law accepted by all the of the fifty states at the time, uh, and, and doing it on the basis that it did. So uh, my faith and and my belief in in, in the sanctity of life and uh, my understanding of the law, um, uh, the, the, those two things even though you end up spending most of your time practicing in a different area, uh, to be a part of an organization that really is dedicated um, to, to the area of, uh, of religious liberty and to see what this done and also to be part of, to have had some personal, uh, personal um, relationship with Sam Erickson, who was a, 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 a key uh, uh, lead in the organization. Um, really, uh, you know, really has been very beneficial and supportive in, in, in my in my career, my thought process. Uh, Steve, maybe you could tell them a little bit about the focus of the uh, Center for Law and Religious Freedom, which is yeah. a part of the Christian Legal Society. Yeah, there are, there are four ministries the Christian Legal Society has been called to. Number one, as you just described, two attorneys, uh, both for purposes of training them in religious liberty defense and sanctity of life defense, but also fellowship and discipleship. Most, most important the, is the discipling of lawyers, as well as the second ministry, law student ministries, because that's the next generation and uh, of, of lawyers. And lawyers are the gatekeepers of, of, of justice, you know, like it or not. Um, <laughs> they, they really have the 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 keys so to speak to the courthouse and so it is imperative that the body of Christ be alive and well in law students and so uh, that's a second ministry third ministry the Lord and especially Old Testament prophets make it very clear that the the the, the poor and needy the widow the orphan the alien is uh, very close to the Lord's heart and mm -hmm. so legal aid is a third. And the fourth is the Center for Law and Religious Freedom, and that's what I have the privilege of doing. So what we do, in short, is we try to defend religious liberty for all faiths or none, as well as the sanctity of human life. We try to do that in all three branches of the government. That is, especially in the courts, uh, by filing briefs in the uh, courts of appeal, and especially the Supreme Court of the United States, if, you know, just hundreds of briefs uh, in, in cases over the last 50 years. And our briefs are, are written voluntarily by the top religious liberty scholars who 
uh, who, who gladly uh, uh, defend the, the religious liberty of you know of Christian uh, Christian attorneys and any in any religious liberty issue. Uh, and we advise and train and equip our attorneys and, and try to mentor law students as well. So uh, we we also advocate in the legislatures, both especially Congress, and before the regulatory agencies, federal and the White House, for that matter, because the White House and the federal agencies are putting out regulations right and left, and that increasingly is where the our religious freedoms and the sanctity of human life are frankly under under some assault. So uh, we we try to be uh, a a voice in all three branches of government. So let's talk a little bit about that. The the religious liberties that we have in the United States, uh, specifically why why they matter to Christians. And there have been some Supreme Court rulings this past year where uh, First Amendment's rights have served to protect some of those religious liberties. Uh, so I want to get into that. Before we do, we really should take a look at the First Amendment, because uh, I think if you ask uh, 10 people, nine of them might just think it's freedom of speech. Uh, but it's certainly more than that. And there's probably some misconceptions there. So, Lee, do you have that? Uh, sure, I do. Up to read? Yep. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's easy to Google. You just ask, uh, ask him what the First Amendment says. Um, First Amendment uh, says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. So this has been uh, divided. Uh, basically, the the religious uh, f- the religious aspect to it is um, making a law and establishment and make no law respecting establishment of religion. So that's the anti-establishment clause, and then or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, which is um, the free uh, the free speech or free exercise provision. And then, uh, and then you have uh, a speech in the press and assembly um, a- as they are generally looked at. And as it turns out, uh, uh, as it turns out, there's a very close relationship between speech and pre- uh, speech and religion. Uh, and that has that has uh, shown itself even this year. So, can we talk about why that? really matters to Christians? Like, what does that, what does the phrase exercise of religion mean? Like, how, how do we as Christians exercise our religion today? Yeah, great question. Um, the, note that it's the first 16 words of the First Amendment. So this is, this is a high priority. Um, th- this is not um, a footnote uh, in the Bill of Rights. Uh, and so free exercise of religion means, and it only this is a, a limitation on the government. This is very important for all of us to understand. This doesn't, you don't have a free speech right in a, in a private workplace because that's not the government uh, limiting your free speech. So if, if you're working in a store and the store says, I don't want you evangelizing uh, during work time uh, uh, here in Walmart, you know, they have their right to do that. That's not, uh, there isn't a free speech right or a free exercise right that uh, is applicable there. There is if the government is preventing you or burdening your free exercise of religion. 
if and they can do that by passing a law, an anti-discrimination law that says you can't do this or that uh, for any uh, any reason, um, religious or otherwise, that's going to be a substantial burden on the free exercise of religion. The, the non-establishment language that Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion that Lee read, that also protects the church uh, because you don't want the government writing prayers. Mm. Uh, you don't want the government telling you who you can hire, who can be your minister, uh, etc. And that establishment clause is just as important as the free exercise clause to protecting the internal governance of the church. And there's some, something that recently the Supreme Court has uh, has enunciated in the last 10 years called the ministerial exception, which says, hey, if, you're, if a religious organization uh, is hiring a minister, and minister is more broadly than just somebody with a, with a white collar on them, uh, you know, or the senior pastor, if they're hiring a minister, then it is completely hands off for the government. They, mm. the, gov the government cannot mess with or say, no, you got to consider this or you can't consider that uh, aspect. And no, the uh, gay rights, uh, uh, anti-discrimination law prohibits you from considering whether what their position is on, on, on biblical marriage. No, you can. And if it's a minister that you're hiring, you absolutely can. So that is the free exercise of religion and the non-establishment of religion that protects the church. Now, are there reasons that the government would want to limit religion? Like, is there a compelling government interest to limit uh, the exercise of religion? Yeah, well, that is the the $64,000 question. Uh, <laughs> is, is, in, in all of these cases, when... Uh, when a, a, a believer says, hey, uh, this law is substantially burdening, and that's the magic language, mm -hmm. my free exercise of religion, the government has, is, has the burden of proving that it has a compelling interest in not giving you an exemption. What's an example of that? An example would be... Uh, if if you if 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 you said, hey, I uh, I observe the Lord's Supper every week in church, and, uh, and this is a silly example, but I think it makes the point. Uh, this is a sacrament that I I drink a little bit of wine, and that my children who are uh, of of age, that they they are administered some some wine, as well, and you could have uh, it would be a weird. Uh, uh, city ordinance, but you'd say, hold it, you cannot give uh, alcohol to a minor under 21. And you say, hold it, in our church, this is the free exercise of religion. And so in that example, the government would have to show, the city would have to show that it has a compelling reason why it's got to prevent you from giving half an ounce of wine to a 10-year-old uh, based on that uh, alcohol ordinance. Now, more serious examples, you know, you can, you, you, we, we run into where, uh, for example, the, uh, an individual says, hey, I uh, don't want to uh, 
to be preparing a website or a, a cake or doing the photography at a wedding uh, for uh, of a same-sex married couple marriage because I have a sincerely held religious conviction that I don't want to promote that. Um, they can get a photographer or a baker somewhere else, but I I am I have a conviction about that. The the if if a the law was the state law against discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation were to be invoked against you, and they say, no, no, you have to, you've got to do this, because otherwise you're discriminating against a protected class, sexual orientation. Uh, the free the First Amendment would would trigger the requirement that that state had better come up with a compelling reason why they cannot give you in particular a religious exemption. That's an example of a uh, where compelling government interest has to comes into conflict with a, the substantial burden of my free exercise of religion. Okay. So that kind of leads us into these two cases that we just saw yeah. uh, Supreme Court rule on over the summer this year. Uh, there's uh, the, the mail carrier case, uh, which is uh, known as Groff versus DeJoy. Is that how yeah. I pronounce that? Yeah. <laughs> and then there's the uh, 303 Creative LLC. Um, so, Lee, maybe you want to just give us kind of a, a summary of that first case, the mail carrier case, and kind of what led to uh, that making it's all the way to the Supreme Court. Well, the. Um, um... The the question was uh, a, a, a mail carrier uh, who had um, who worked for the uh, postal service for some time um, had uh, um, uh, a religious conviction that uh, he was to uh, not work on on Sunday. He was to go to church, and that was his his uh, his religious uh, conviction, um, and um, that had been uh, reasonably accommodated. Except it became it came very difficult or more difficult to accommodate during the during the pandemic, mm. uh, and uh, what they did is they had uh, uh, other people who did not share that conviction um, uh, 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 volunteer to uh, to give uh, time uh, for that purpose, and so as a result, he was able to keep his job for some period of time, but but it frankly. Uh, uh, people get worn out uh, by uh, by by doing that, and so less and less uh, uh, people were available. And ultimately, the employer decided uh, that they they couldn't do that anymore, and so uh, so they terminated him. And he uh, he um, uh, uh, filed an action uh, seeking uh, to uh, uh, I think be reinstated uh, for the for the for the purpose of uh, 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 notwithstanding that, and the issue was uh, accommodating. Uh, it was uh, it was a, a religious accommodation question, and specifically, uh, how much a, a burden or a hardship was being placed on on the uh, uh, on, on the employer. And so, maybe uh, Steve, you could sort of start there. What what is undue hardship, and how how did the court uh, sort of deal with that in this case? Yeah, uh, Lee, that this is a very important uh, clarification of the law 
you know, Congress Title VII of the 64, 1964 Civil Rights Act has a specific provision that guarantees to an employee that uh, uh, his or her religious uh, convictions will be accommodated by an employer, public or private, unless there is uh, it would the employer can show that it would be uh, create an undue hardship, as you said. So those are the magic terms, undue hardship. Uh, and what does that mean? Well, in 1972, the Supreme Court completely gutted that that provision, the, the meaningfulness or efficacy of that provision, because they they ruled that anything more than their term was de minimis, in other words, negligible, anything more than the slightest inconvenience for an employer constituted an undue hardship. So an employer didn't have to do virtually anything to say no to Mr. DeGroff. Uh, and the what, what is significant about this decision three months ago or whatever is uh, this year, thanks be to God, is that the court said, no, actually, we we didn't interpret that correctly, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Undue hardship means what it means. It means what it says. And in this case, uh, it's not going to bring the Postal Service to its knees if Mr. DeGroff, like he has been doing for, for years and years, doesn't work on Sundays. We have plenty of other people, and uh, and it's not going to bankrupt the Postal Service to have to replace him with somebody else. So, And what's interesting about that, too, we talk about uh, undue hardship it sounds like he was doing everything that he could to make it easier for the post office to have people work on Sundays. He was putting in, you know, 60 hour weeks. He was taking Saturdays covering for other people doing what he could so that he could be a full-time mail carrier. And all he wanted was Sundays off so he can go to church. Yeah. And, and it's important to note, you know, that when he applied, they were there. You, that this was a job that didn't involve Sunday work. He did not go looking for, he affirmatively looked for a job that wouldn't involve Sundays. And it wasn't until the pandemic in 2000 mm -hmm. that the Postal Service wanted to get more money. And so they made, signed a contract mm -hmm. with Amazon to start mm -hmm. delivering stuff on Sundays. So, yeah. And then he, he transferred. Yeah, even. He, he avoided, he did everything he could possibly do to make it easy on the Postal Service without violating his conscience. Mm -hmm. And then he he went through uh, some disciplinary action with the Postal Service. He was suspended from work and then eventually uh, made it to the Supreme Court. Yep. And and the uh, the organization that you guys are with, uh, the Christian Legal Society, you helped in uh, providing uh, amicus briefs to the Supreme Court, um, which aided in in their decision. You want to share a little bit about uh, how you helped in that and maybe even explain what an amicus brief is yeah um, amicus is latin for fr uh, friend and uh so they're the, the 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 appellate courts uh including the supreme court they invite experts to uh experts in the law or in the facts in the in a particular case to file briefs you know, they're not a party to the action but Christian Legal Society is, has a great deal of expertise in religious freedom over the last 50 years. So um, our briefs, Lord, Lord willing, uh, carry a lot of weight with 
even the Supreme Court uh, because of the reputation. So uh, I, however, I, I want to, you know, give credit where credit is due. We did not file this case on behalf of Mr. DeGroff. Uh, most, most of our religious freedom work is done through these friend of the court amicus briefs where we're uh, arguing at the appellate level for the cause. So uh, I don't want to uh, pretend that we we <laughs> were Mr. DeGroff's because, uh, you know, there's plenty of work to go around. There are a lot of organizations now, not, not when we CLS started, but now a lot of organizations out there that are doing good work. And we want to just encourage the body of Christ, whoever is doing it, uh, and and these cases uh, are represented by uh, for free by uh, other organizations besides Christian Legal Society. Amen. So, what was the uh, what was the ruling there? What was the decision that the Supreme Court made in this the, case? The Supreme Court said undue hardship means more than a negligible amount of hardship. That look that that a court should look at from now on should look at the particular circumstances and the particular employer, the particular job, and say, does this really, it, would it really be an, uh, a serious, substantial hardship for the employer? Now, there are uh, to give an example of where they might be able to meet that would be, say, say I was hired to be the store manager uh, at a McDonald's. And let's say the busiest day of, for that McDonald's is on a Sunday. I think it's possible McDonald's could say, you know, Steve, we, we'd love to give you Sundays off. But it, as you know, it is the busiest, most important day of the week. We simply can't have the manager off every Sunday. I think that there is a chance, you know, that's an example where they, they can meet the burden of undue hardship. But the guy, the person flipping the fries, at, no, they're not essential. They, you can get somebody else to do that. And um, a re, I, I think a reasonable accommodation of having Sundays off for the person on the, uh, you know, taking the orders, that, that now is going to be a, 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 a religious belief that should be accommodated as Congress intended back in 1964. Okay, so then this would be uh, the religion clause then in the First Amendment? No, this is actually a federal statute that Congress passed. <clears throat> the okay. decision is interpreting what Congress meant by the words undue hardship and reasonable accommodation. And they've, they've interpreted it much more strongly and meaningfully as Congress intended. So okay. the, the Mr. DeGroff did not have to argue Hey, this violates my First Amendment rights too. Okay, so in both of your opinions, what was most significant about this decision, Lee? Uh, well, it's um, uh, there are uh, there are lots mm -hmm. of different ways that um, religious convictions appear at the workplace, and uh, and, and uh, all all of them. Um, uh, involve uh, all of them involve on the one hand exercise of of religion by the believer and uh, some uh, degree of impact or perceived impact upon the other workers 
Um, so, so this is uh, uh, this is uh, uh, saying that uh, that it, it's it's not uh, it's 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 not just more than a little bit more than nothing, uh, as has been pointed out, which was. It was just a wrong. It was a wrong interpretation. From my perspective, as someone who who read this Civil Rights Act way back, uh, you know, when I was uh, starting starting practice, it just seemed that's not what undue hard uh, undue burden. It's it's almost a matter of truth. To be honest with you, it's uh, undue burden is is uh, it, 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 it means something, and and yeah. that, that's what the Supreme Court has said, and and yeah. that's really helpful. Because there will always be some burden. The question is whether it's undue. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And I just add, Tim, that um, this is important for those who, for example, for a pharmacist who um, believes in the sanctity of human life and, and, and does not want to be prescribing, not prescribing, but filling <clears throat> prescriptions for um, you know a, a morning after abortion pill. This doesn't guarantee that he or she is going to be give be excused from doing so, but it gives them a significant new uh, legal argument to do so. So it's not uh, it not only is this significant for folks who really have a a sincere belief that the Sabbath, uh, be it from sundown Friday night to Saturday night, or be it Sundays whatever the belief is, uh, and Christian or Orthodox Jew, observant Jew or, or Muslim or what have you, um, they now have a, a legal argument to be accommodated they, that, that is going to be difficult for an employer to ignore. And that also extends to conscience, like a conscientious objection to uh, something in, uh, related to the sanctity of human life. Okay. So let's let's shift now to this uh, other case uh, that Supreme Court ruled on this summer, 303 Creative LLC versus uh, Elinas. And uh, maybe just tell us a little bit about uh, what went on there and how it made its way to Supreme Court. Yeah. So um, while we're dealing with Colorado and, and, and a statute mm -hmm. in Colorado uh, that was... Um, what is viewed as a state public accommodations law, uh, a, a law that basically says that uh, if you're going to provide a service, you got to provide it without discriminating. So the anti-discrimination uh, law. Yeah, it's an it's an anti-discrimination law, and, and uh, if if you're in business and you're providing something, then you're not allowed to discriminate against various things, and and one one of the uh, one of the issues is is uh, that of uh, uh, of uh, uh, sexual preference, um, and in this uh, particular case, uh, really, it's a it's sort of a second it, the case. You almost can't see it without uh, thinking about the fact that there was a wedding cake case just uh, rather recently from the same state on the same kind of issue. But this is not. Uh, whether a baker can do a wedding cake, this this is whether someone uh, can uh, or, or the three hundred three creative uh, was uh, was 
uh, uh, designing websites for for weddings. So a couple couple wants to do a wedding, um, and and they they design a a a a website that sort of celebrates and promotes the the purpose and the nature of that of that uh, of that wedding, and that's that's what they do. And, so is this more um, like? Would this be more considered uh, free a free speech thing or freedom of religion in that case? Right, right. That um, it, it is. It, it was free speech because, uh, and Steve will Steve will comment more on it. But basically, uh, you can't tell somebody to say something. Hmm. <laughs> uh, he has the right to decide <clears throat> himself what he has to say, and that was that was the position uh, that uh, this is compelling uh, speech. Uh, uh, in favor of a, uh, in this case, uh, a, a gay marriage, where, where the the um, the creator three hundred three creative uh, was not uh, did not want to uh, express that at all, um, and based on religious uh, convictions. But uh, but here's here's where the uh, speech, free speech, and religion are so intertwined. Right. So we can't yeah. we can't be forced to share a message that we don't agree with as Christians. Right. And that so is the issue. so with this case, it wasn't like the cake baker where somebody went to the, the bakery and asked for this cake to be made. It sounds like she uh, this web designer proactively filed a lawsuit for her right to speak only what is what is true and what is in line with her beliefs. Is that a yeah. fair yeah, well, interpretation actually, of that? I, Actually, both cases, uh, Masterpiece Cake Shop and uh, 303 Creative, both of them had to go to, to go to court. Both of them had to file suit in order to be protected from the anti-discrimination law. So they were plaintiffs then? They were plaintiffs. Okay. Lori Smith, uh, 303 Creative sounds like this gigantic corporation. It's a, it's a single person, Lori Smith, and she's a design artist, and she has her own design studio specializing in graphic and website design and she conveys messages that she wants to support so um, supporting children with disabilities uh, overseas missions animal shelters veterans and then she got into the beauty of marriage she started doing websites and graphic design to to promote and celebrate marriage between a man and a woman same-sex couple uh, engaged, saw, liked what they saw and asked her to do it. And she said, no, I'm sorry. There, are, you know, I can refer you to somebody else, but uh, that's not a message I want to celebrate or promote. Now, and that doesn't was, mean that she she wouldn't work for a same sex or somebody that's homosexual. But it was it was that message. And that's uh, right. God's design she, for marriage. She had, lots of, she had lots of LGBT clients. If, you know, if they wanted a website, she's not asking, uh, you know, about their sexual orientation. Uh, but when the message is going to be something that violates her sincerely held mm-hmm. Christian belief, that's a different story. And she shouldn't be compelled, as Lee said, as you said, to speak a message you don't believe in. So how did the uh, Supreme Court rule in that case? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a great decision. Six three. Uh, six justices uh, in the majority saying that, hey, this is speech. This is, you know, this is 
written wording in 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 the web design you're using words here this is this is even more clearly speech than than a cake and uh so this is protected speech and the government cannot compel you to to speak something you don't believe in that violates your conscience even if you're open to the public you don't lose your first amendment rights just because you you uh, are available to uh, doing business generally. You don't lose your, your free exercise or free speech rights. Um, in this case, free speech rights. You don't lose just because you're uh, in business. So uh, it's a huge uh, decision that builds on the, the cake baker decision. Uh, but in significantly improved ways. The cake bake decision was the Colorado folks were plainly hateful towards the person. And, and the court said, no, that was motivated by animus as the term um, against, you know, hatred towards um, Mr. Phillips' beliefs. Here, it, it was based, it doesn't matter whether they uh, had, uh, how they felt about Lori Smith. Uh, this was based on their imposing a message that she didn't care to promote. And the court said six to three, the free exercise, uh, the free speech clause of the First Amendment prohibits the government from forcing her to do that. It reminds me of uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They they couldn't be persuaded to bow down to an adult because they didn't agree with that message. Uh, they had a higher authority that they had to submit to. Um, That's a know. great, great, great. Remember and remember uh, their response to the king. Yeah, the whether, Lord may whether God saves Lord us may, or not, whether the Lord spares us or not. Read our lips; we will not bow down. <laughs> yeah, and um, I was reading some of the, the Supreme Court uh, notes on this, and Justice Gorsuch said, "In this case, Colorado seeks to force an individual to speak in ways that align." with his views, but defy her conscience about a matter of major significance. And conscience matters. Romans 14 tells us that we violate our conscience. It's sin. Um, so even though this was not a religious freedoms ruling, uh, it was still a ruling in submission to the authority of Scripture, at least as I see it. Oh, yeah, this is huge for, it is a religious liberty case that is based on the free speech clause. It, it is a part of the panoply of tools or, or shields, if you will, that the church still has in America. And this is this is a great victory. It was, uh, by the way, it was brought by the Alliance Defending Freedom. Okay. Now, it, a, a great victory, 6-3, but with it being 6-3, there, there were criticisms about this case. What were, what were some of the, the criticisms that uh, we saw with this? Oh, you know, when, when the dissent is always going to say that the sky mm -hmm. is falling. And that this is now, it's now going to be open season. Um, everybody is going to have a religious objection to every message. No, no. I mean, when you're in business and you're turning down business, it's probably because it's a pretty sincere and significant uh, religious or, or moral issue for you. You're not going to do that willy-nilly. And, and most people don't turn down the money. So no, the sky is not going to fall. So, uh, uh, gay couples, Lord knows, they have plenty of options, uh, uh, places to go, 
and and lots of support in this society, it's not like they're not going to be able to find a baker, find a photographer, or find a website designer to celebrate their message. It just yeah. they just can't do it by steamrolling a a believer's conscientious um, beliefs. What is what is invoked is is a a, a Jim Crow law type of an aspect that that uh, that this will now this will now make uh, the uh, 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 gay couples uh, into a, a lesser class who will have to go uh, to a, a different set of uh, of web designers but as Steve just said uh, there it is not, it's not like you know they're not being sent out back to a to a outhouse. Uh, uh, it's it's not that situation at all. In fact, there's a whole industry uh, that is really uh, geared towards promoting what they're what they're trying to pr promote. Uh, so it's it, it is a, a different, and it's not it's not geared at the person in the same way that uh, that the uh, uh, that the civil rights laws were initially uh, it's, it's not like to protect. race it's not yeah like it's race. not like race it's not like race right. we're not we're not it's not a discriminant and that is a critical critical issue that we've talked about there's a difference between uh, discriminating on someone based on who they are and what they're doing and what mm. they're saying or what they're asking you to say um uh, it, it, it's it's very different, and uh, and that is uh, you know that's the the critical aspect here. Here you're asking somebody to say something, uh, approving something that they don't approve, and and that's um, you know that's a that's a pretty important right right now uh, for a, a number of on a number of spheres. So let's talk about how this applies to the church then, and uh, specifically looking at sharing the gospel. Some have said that the biggest threat to the freedom uh, of a Christian to exercise his faith in America today is the failure of the Christian to exercise his inalienable rights of free exercise of religion and speech by sharing the gospel. Uh, do you gentlemen think that that's true? Yeah, yeah, I do. And, and, and before I let uh, Steve speak, I, I I think uh, you know I do that with a great sense of guilt. Um, um, we have we have uh, permitted, and I have permitted in in my you know in in my practice uh, uh, a, a division of our of our 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 conduct, um, uh, the the secular things that we do. And the and and the and the faith aspect of what we do, uh, that's you know that's the secularism, uh, which which is which is really to me what has ha, ha, is the huge uh, uh, impediment to the sh free sharing of the gospel. Uh, it 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 sort of derived out of or was defended or argued on the basis of oh it's an anti-establishment issue but it, we've gone way way beyond the anti-establishment uh, concept to to saying well wherever you are you can't uh, you 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 if you're in a public a public space you you can't uh, 
uh, speak your mind. And we've and we, I think, as Christians, have become much too comfortable with that. Yeah, uh, I would. And, and I, would agree. I certainly have. I certainly I, have. I, I'm right there with you, Lee. Uh, and I think much of, of the body of Christ in America uh, doesn't use what we uh, God has preserved as our freedoms. We have a, let's be honest, there uh, there is a six justice majority in the U.S. Supreme Court right now that is very favorably disposed towards religious freedom. We have plenty of freedom to do the work of the body of Christ. Uh, we need to be vigilant to preserve it, to challenge government. Well, I'm seeing every month there's a new regulation coming out of out of uh, Washington. Regulations are are produced by federal agencies that are not elected, uh, and uh, we 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 need to be in the weeds and and challenging those regulations and commenting against them as Christian Legal Society does. Uh, but let's use what we have. And if it's kind of a use it or lose it. And I think in scripture, we, you see, uh, that God, uh, you know, does, does preserve and open opportunities. And if we are, are not faithful, uh, to, uh, to the great commission and the great commandment to love our neighbor, uh, so, you know, the, those, those nations do decline. So I, without getting into all of that, uh, I think, Tim, I would say, number one, know what you believe and why based on scripture. Don't, you know, ask yourself, how would you defend this, uh, this belief about, say, not working on Sunday or say about why it's important that you be able to share your faith or what, whatever it is, know, know why your, why uh, this is a defensible in scripture, a biblically defensible bullet. Second, count the cost. Is this worth, is this issue worth a public fight? It may be, but is it, is it going to glorify God mm -hmm. um, and protect the kingdom mission work of the body of Christ? So count the cost, know what you believe, count the cost, then frankly, well, it sounds self-serving. Put your money where your mouth is, so where your values are. Support organizations like the Christian Legal Society uh, because these are your advocates and defenders and, and we are outnumbered and out, outfunded by far by ACLU and abortion rights and gay rights uh, advocates. They get lots of corporate monies. Corporations trip over themselves to, to give money to uh, these these issues, uh, that's not the case for the the body of Christ, and so we need help. And then finally, uh, think about the next generation. You know, we as I read through Scripture, you know, there rose up a generation that knew not Moses. You know, or or you know, you just see uh, good kings like King Josiah, and then his son, you know, turns out to be you know evil and wicked. So we mm -hmm. we need to be cultivating the next generation, uh, not just to know their rights, but more importantly, to know Jesus. And, and that involves access to campuses. And that has been the focus for 50 years of the Christian Legal Society is to make sure that high school students, college students, law students, the next generation have the opportunity to, to, to learn about Jesus and be discipled. 
That is a, a, a battle that we cannot afford to lose, and we better use it or lose it. Amen. And regardless of, of what the rights are, if there was some kind of a limit on free speech or freedom of religion, we still have a biblical mandate to share the gospel. Amen. And so so whether or not um, you know that, that message is outlawed, uh, that's something we still are, are called to do. And we look at these cases when there's a message that's not consistent with what we believe, we should be able to speak against that and share the, the true message about God. Even when there's limitations, we have a higher authority that we Amen. have to answer to. Now, considering uh, what you had said about, uh, you know, the we have this uh, very conservative uh, Supreme Court and very much in favor of freedom of religion, uh, freedom of speech. We hear a lot that, uh, you know, things are just getting worse. And we look at cases like the mail carrier and we might have people that would say that's that's persecution in the United States. What, what do you guys think? Is that persecution? No, no. I, I let me just jump in, and I, sorry, I, I don't want to dominate the conversation on this, but I have a strong opinion about this because I, uh, when I was uh, directing the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, I saw persecution, and the Church in America is not. Read my lips. Not being persecuted. <laughs> uh, nobody is going to prison. Nobody is uh, being killed, uh, uh, and. And that is that's persecution. There are infringements, and that's what I'm spending all my time doing, trying to pre preserve and protect the rights of of Christians and the church. Granted, but let's not call it persecution. That's not that's a disservice to our suffering, the suffering church uh, uh, outside our shores. Well said. But we but we, uh, we we do have lots of rights. And we need to we need to defend them, and we need to use them. And and uh, I I think for the you know as with the practical steps that I was mentioning earlier, uh, this is the this is the the time to uh, be the church and to train up the next generation uh, in following Jesus. And uh, if if they're if if they are ignorant of their civic li you know, liberties civil liberties, ignorant of their rights, uh, that, and, and, and don't appreciate their walk with Jesus, then we have squandered an opportunity and, and we can't afford to do that. Yeah. We're blessed with, uh, these freedoms. We need to take advantage of them. And I think it kind of, uh, shows us the, the wisdom of the forefathers to set up these checks and balances so that one branch doesn't become too powerful because there have been other bills and laws and executive orders that have kind of undermined the authority of God's word. Uh, but where we have this, uh, the Supreme court that's really in favor of religious freedoms, we should, we should see that as a win for the church and we should uh, make every effort to take advantage of those freedoms while we have them. Lee, your thoughts. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Um, and, and what, what did I, what I, I um, really like about uh, this emphasis on the, the Center for Law and Religious Freedom is, is that, um, gee, uh, the, uh, uh, whenever the church gets into politics, right, there are all kinds of problems and issues and divisions. Especially at so the dinner table when, on Thanksgiving. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. So, 
So when are we going to do that? About what kinds of issues are we going to are, are we going to to focus and and risk, frankly, the unity of our our, our body and the you know the the pleasance of our ness of our uh, gathering together as a church? What what are the things that we're going to really uh, dig in, mm. digging on? And um, the um, the Great Commission really doesn't give us much choice. You know, this is this is what we're here. When you say when you ask how do we practice our religion um there really isn't there really isn't much choice we're to teach and mm. and to preach the gospel and, and that is our as that's our mission at fellowship church is to pervade the back mountain the wyoming valley and the world with the gospel amen um, so so the issue of of freedom of speech and freedom of religion free exercise of religion um, is is absolutely uh, critical. That's one that we can. That's the one one that we can stand on and fight fight for. Because frankly, we've been ordered to fight for that one. You know, and and, and uh, I I think uh, I think that that's really important. When whenever any kind of issue comes up, should the church should take a stand on this? Church should take a stand on that. Um, gee. Uh, and is it is it about as as Steve said, glorifying God? Can God be glorified by by uh, this position? Is it something that we do obediently because we've been ordered to do it, uh, or is it because we uh, uh, have an have an issue with how we're being treated, which which quite mm. often is true in politics? Uh, so uh, yeah, no, I I think this is a great focus, and this is why. That the Christian Legal Society it really does mean a lot to me is because number one it permits permits me to see my profession as part of as part of my faith which 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 it really is and it, it really gives a focus on on what are the issues that really matter and that we should as a church be uh, be focusing on what are the contemporary issues that we should really be focusing on yeah well Thank you both for the work that you're doing with the Christian Legal Society. And uh, I want to thank you again for your time today as we talk through these things. And hopefully we can have more discussions in the future. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Lee. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. God bless.